I am speaking to you at a moment of grave crisis. I'm Jeff Turner, and this is Recall. It's a series about history. Not the ancient past, but history that's still hot to the touch. In this first season, I explore a revolutionary political movement that brought a modern democracy to the brink. You can find Recall, How to Start a Revolution, on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. In Canada, more than one-third of young adults live with a parent. Census data shows an increase over the decades of people between 20 and 34 living at home with at least one parent. Hi, I'm Ian Hanamansing in Vancouver. Welcome to Cross Country Checkup, the podcast. The reasons could be housing, schooling, or family expectations. Those families with adult children living at home have less in assets, and they also have a lot more in debt, too. Our question, are you living with your parents to save money? How do you feel about adult children living at home? I ended up moving in with my mom. I'm 36. Is it weird to move in with my mom, you know, at this age of my life? And obviously she's giving me like a really good rent rate. I love having them in the house. Eventually they will be leaving the house. And I want to, to do my best, do what I can as a parent. Because once they leave the house, I won't be able to do that anymore. It will break my heart. Once they leave the house. The cultural difference is between our society and uh, other cultures where it's almost expected that your your child lives at home until they get married. In the 80s, I ended up living back at home a little bit till I got settled again. And right now, my 22-year-old daughter is living at home. You cannot afford a house now, right, for this whole generation. So here's a number that surprised me. 35% of Canadian adults under the age of 34 are living with at least one of their parents. That's more than one in three. And the source is solid, Stats Canada. So what's going on and what impact is this having on families? Is it about saving money? What about the issues that can complicate any family dynamic? Cleaning, meal prep, laundry. And then there are the things perhaps unique to adults living with their parents. Rent or no rent. How do you navigate dating? Our question, are you living with your parents to save money? How do you feel about adult children living at home? And in the last half hour, our AMA with mortgage broker Ron Butler. He'll answer questions about managing mortgage risk and avoiding mortgage shock when renewal time comes. I'm Ian Hanamansing in Vancouver. From CBC Radio, this is Check Up the Podcast. Cross-country checkups live broadcast from November 5th, 2023. And before we get to the main topic today, let's get an update on the situation in Gaza and the diplomatic efforts by the United States this weekend. CBC senior correspondent Susan Ormiston is in Jerusalem with the latest, and she joins us live. Hi, Susan. Hi, Ian. Hamas says that uh, airstrikes hit a refugee camp overnight. What do we know about these claims and about Israel's operation in Gaza? Well, Magazi refugee camp is further along to the south in Gaza, and that's caused a huge problem because the IDF has been trying to push residents from the north down those roads to the south, saying that they are safer. Hamas is now saying that it wasn't safe at all in Magazi refugee camp, that some kind of strike hit there, killing 52, according to the Hamas Control Health Ministry. The IDF, the Israeli military, is saying that it cannot confirm that the strike was theirs. 
that uh, they have not had definite uh, information on that. But clearly, this is a uh, huge problem, a, a dramatic development, because people are overcrowding that camp uh, as more and more people are trying to fit, flee from the north. Uh, Ian, in the last few hours, there have been some significant developments here in Israel and in Gaza. In Gaza, heavy bombardment tonight, a major operation by the Israeli military. All communications, phone and Internet in Gaza have been cut again for a third time in 10 days. So people can't reach each other, relatives check on them, they can't call for emergency services. We've seen a pattern pattern of this, that it precedes a major um, offensive by the Israeli military. And we're seeing that tonight on the horizon of Gaza, a big fireball. You could hear multiple explosions from southern, southern Israel. And in Israel itself, all over Israel really tonight, there have been sirens warning of rockets coming close, most of them intercepted by the Iron Dome in Tel Aviv, a barrage of rockets in central Israel and in northern Israel at that Lebanese border from Kiryat Shimona, which has been struck before. One of those rockets got through, causing damage to a house. And on that border, we were there on Friday, Ian, to see that hostilities and the tense, the situation, the level of intensity is extremely high there. In fact, Hezbollah, the Iran-backed militant group in Lebanon, accuses Israel tonight of striking a car in southern Lebanon with three children and a grandmother. Lebanon has uh, launched an official inquiry. There's been no response yet from Israel, but this border has been extremely tense. And on Friday, we heard the leader of Hezbollah, Hassan Nasrallah, say that he wasn't calling for an all-out war, but was leaving the door open to respond if needed. So a lot going on. The military says it has encircled Gaza City, that it will be inside the center of the city in 48 hours, it says, and uh, that it is separating northern Gaza from southern Gaza. So that operation going on tonight. We're speaking live with CBC senior correspondent Susan Ormiston, who is in Jerusalem. It is after 11 o'clock Sunday night. And Susan, just one last question for you. We had heard a couple of days ago that Canadians might start being able to get out of Gaza today, Sunday. What's the latest on that? You know, Ian, if there's one thing I've learned covering a number of conflict and war zones is nothing is predictable. This has been an extremely frustrating and very difficult situation for the thousands of foreign passport holders and dual nationals who are trapped in Gaza. We saw some of them get across Thursday, but that border has now closed. There is a dispute with Hamas over who gets out in terms of injured people. Hamas has uh, said that it wants severely injured uh, people in Gaza to get across Israel uh, has refused, rejected that, as has Egypt and the U.S., because the names on some of those lists were identified as Hamas fighters, 
and that is unacceptable to those countries. So this is a diplomatic blockage at that border now. It was closed all day today. No one got across. We've talked to Canadians who are beside themselves with worry as this war gets closer and tougher, that they won't be able to get out at all at the moment. They are stranded on the Gaza side of the border, and we can't say when that border will open. What we do know is that all the people were on the list for Saturday, uh, hundreds of people, and now Sunday, hundreds more people. The lists go day by day. Um, the Canadians who were on a list, say, for Sunday or Monday, are now going to be delayed days, and we have no confirmation of when that border is opened. So these kinds of blockages, disappointments, they cause so much tension and so much anguish for people uh, inside Gaza who are struggling as it is to survive. Such an important story. And Susan, we so appreciate the work that you and your team are doing. Lots of smarts, but also lots of stamina. As I point out, it's after 11 o'clock at night and you and I are going to, well, you're going to be on the National a little later on tonight. So, So thank you very much. Thanks, Ian. CBC Senior Correspondent Susan Ormiston live in Jerusalem. Uh, let's turn now to the main topic of the week on Cross Country Checkup. Our question today, are you living with your parents to save money? How do you feel about adult children leaving, uh, living at home and uh, not leaving? And you can call us at 1-888-416-8333. You can also connect via cbc.ca slash Air check. And our first guest is uh, an adult who is living at home. Cassandra Mello is a 27-year-old nurse. She's in Toronto. In her case, she's always been home, uh, went to school in the Toronto area. We've reached her in Vaughan, which is just north of Toronto. Hi, how are you? Hi, Ian. Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Now, you got your first job after you graduated from university. You were 23 years old. Tell us about uh, what sort of weighed in your mind as you made the decision to, to continue to live with your parents. Yeah, quite simply, I realized that if I want to save money and get ahead and kind of establish a good financial foundation, I had to live at home because with the cost of living here in the GTA, it's just insane. And I kind of realized that if I want to get a head start, I need to stay at home. And do you have a timeline in mind or a threshold that you want to hit? And and, and at that point, you'll you'll look for a place to live on your own? I think I should be out of here by 30. I had a goal in mind by 28, so that's about a year away. Um but I would say by 28, 29, I, I kind of have a personal goal to be moving out by then. And is that because you'll hit that age or because of a certain amount of money that you'll have saved up or a combination of the two? Yeah, a combo of the two. So I have enough money saved up, I think, to be able to move out in probably a year or two. And I think uh, by that point, I just kind of want to regain some more independence and kind of, you know, have my own place in my own space. We're live here with Cassandra Mello, 27-year-old, living with her parents just outside of Toronto. And our question today on Cross Country Checkup, are you living with your parents to save money? How do you feel about adult children living at home? A couple of phone numbers I'm going to give you. You can phone us at 1-888-416-8333. You can text us at 226 758 89 uh, Cassandra, for those uh, who are watching live on CBC News Network, they can probably tell you are doing this interview from your car. Is that because your parents said, if you're going to do this interview, get out of our house? <laughs> you know, thankfully, they're not that harsh, but this is my wonderful little set here in my car. And I had to leave the house because there's always kind of commotion going on. I'm a family of five uh, living at home with a family of five. And so it's always noisy. So I had to be safe and kind of go to my own quiet spot. 
Yeah, well, it's nice and quiet in there. Uh, Tell us about the issues of managing life at home when you're a 27-year-old and you're living with your parents, about having friends over, and if you don't mind talking about uh, how you deal with dating. Yeah, you know what? What I will say is that I have friends who are single and I have friends who are in great committed relationships. I happen to be single myself, and uh, it's hard. And, you know, when you have... Thankfully, I have such great loving parents, but, you know, parents, even when you're in your kind of mid to late 20s, they're still curious about where you're going, who you're going out with, how how kind of laid out are you staying. And so, uh, you know, me and my friends have had to give some little white lies here and there when we're going out (laughs) on dates, for example, because, you know, and maybe some kids are comfortable sharing that I'm kind of more on the private side and so are some of my friends. And uh, but even when it comes for like platonic friendships, it's awkward to have your friends around and to also have your parents kind of hanging around as well. And it's their house. So it feels awkward to kind of kick them out a bit as well. So it does put a damper on those kind of uh, social relationships for sure. Yeah. And and I absolutely hear you. Like things that when I was living on my own as a 27-year-old, you know, you can keep private from your parents. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want them looking over my – or just knowing all that stuff. So I, I, I hear you. Um, now, you're active on TikTok and you, you talk about uh, finances and so you communicate with a lot of people. You hear from them. So you may have a, a sense of this. So whether it's through your TikTok life or just through your social circle, these days, do you sense that there's much of a stigma about – being 27 and living at home? You know, I would say for in terms of being in your 20s, the stigma is is not as bad as perhaps it used to a couple decades ago, uh, perhaps how it used to be. I think kind of when you cross into your 30s, the stigma kind of kind of rears ahead again. But uh, in your 20s, I think a lot of us are in the same situation. And I I think those of us who are kind of who have moved out, we understand that, uh, it costs a lot of money to have your own place or to live with roommates. And so I think uh, in terms of being in your 20s, I think that a lot of us are pretty much on the same page and we're, we're pretty understandable. So the stigma is not that that bad, I would say. You know, one other question, you are a nurse and I, I feel like there may be some people across the country who would say, first of all, being a nurse is a great job. It is. It's an important job. But they would think like surely a nurse should be able to to afford their own place. Yeah, I mean, a lot of me, like my friends and I were kind of making the high 70s to low 80s in terms of annual income a year. And uh, the reality is that used to be a solid income a couple, I would say maybe a couple of years ago, definitely a couple of decades ago. But with the cost of living in not only downtown core, but the GTA in general, it just doesn't seem to be good enough for uh, a single person, at least with on a single income. And, you know, you can probably get away with making about 85K and kind of moving out on your own to maybe a one bedroom condo. But you still have to be very careful and your savings rate won't be as high compared to perhaps how it was a couple of decades ago. Well, this conversation is a great way to kick off the program. Cassandra, thank you very much. Thank you. Cassandra Mello, 27-year-old who lives with her parents, and we reached her in Toronto. Coming up, multi-generational living is common in many parts of the world and increasingly here in Canada as well. We'll speak to someone who's living with her parents and her daughter. Um, and for for her, multi-generational living was always part of the plan. In the meantime, of course, we'd love to hear from you. If you live in a multi-generational home, give us a call or Perhaps you're thinking about moving back with your parents or moving out finally. Our question, are you living with your parents to save money? How do you feel about adult children living at home? Our number on cross-country checkup is 1-888-416-8333 or cbc.ca slash aircheck. Chantal Fry is calling from Toronto. Hi, Chantal. Hi, how are you? Good. So you're a parent of 25-year-old twins. Uh, What's the situation in terms of having a kid living with you? 
Yeah, I, I am indeed. Uh, one of my twins uh, just actually moved back from Australia. Um, she found it easier to find work and a place to live and explore through there. When she came back to Toronto, she now has two jobs and said, Mom, it looks like I'm with you. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> sounds good to me. I was happy to, to have her back. Um, but it, it is it is an interesting situation at this stage of, of her life. Yeah. And how and long I'm, has she been back? So it's only been a month now. Um, it is temporary uh, for the time being. Um, so who knows how long that will take for her to figure out what the next steps are going to be. So not the perfect metaphor, but people know what I mean. This is still the honeymoon period, right? Like back for a yeah. month, it's fantastic. So nice to have you back here. Let's talk about Australia. Um, do you, how long do you think this is going to last? Well, she has a tendency to be quite an explorer. Um, she was also in France for a while. Um, and it seems to be when opportunities come up, she'll she'll head on out. Um, but I found myself... Uh, in a divorce and having to manage, you know, a new house and a smaller space, but I also have an income property. So I have another set of French couple who are in their early twenties that are living there as well. So I'm really sandwiched with this generation who are, you know, really cramming in there to make ends meet. And it can make things a little um, interesting, especially dating. I think for my daughter and for me, we've learned to create the boundaries that are needed, but basically it's more just like mother-daughter hangouts because neither one of us want to bring in any of that drama. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you, you, you mentioned dating and, and actually you, you said it in terms of for both of you, is there anything more you can tell us about how you, how, how either of you have adjusted to dating now that you're, you know, for the last month have been sharing a place or what kind of ground rules you set? Well, I mean, we're both pretty international, so we left our partners in the countries where they're from. Um, mine was Ireland and hers was Australia. And I think we just decided that this house and space is going to be a safe zone uh, for us girls where we uh, do a lot of girly nights and, you know, facial masks and that sort of thing and get reacquainted. <laughs> yeah. And in some ways, I'm really grateful that she's home for now. Um, because I know it's fleeting and eventually she'll be on her way. Mm -hmm. I do think, however, that it's a little nerve wracking for a city like Toronto, where there are so many who are in the same situation. Um, the affordability is just a stretch for not just their generation, but even for homeowners with interest rates that are, are really rising. It makes it difficult to even make plans like I used to even just 10 years ago. You make it sound, though, uh, sort of idyllic right now, like you and your daughter are hanging out, you're, you know, girl, every night is a, a girl's night. Um, how does your other child, the other twin, feel about this? Um, she she hangs around a lot. She just kind of waits when there's going to be a blowout between us, which is always <laughs> inevitable. <laughs> Usually, like, I'm apparently a little bit annoying, supposedly. <laughs> um, so when that happens... Um, her twin seems to be the buffer and she actually lives in a house. I think there's seven of them right now. They, they're wow. all musicians and they live in a house and, and they're all pitching in to make their rent affordable. But it's, it's incredibly, it's like a commune. Mm. Seven so musicians think, sharing a house yeah. that we should, we should do a show about them. You should do a show about <laughs> them. They're pretty fantastic. And I think my daughter who is living with me, she'll, 
kind of head over there and sometimes spend the night on the couch just to have some space or (laughs) I'll try to strategically say, hey, when are you going to be out of the house, by the way? (laughs) A little bit of maneuvering and then that usually leads to a blowout if we don't like what either one is doing. So it's, it's, it's an interesting setup. One that I didn't have with my parents at all because I was up and out of the house and had them by the time I was 23 years old. So yeah. it's a very different space and not a lot of time. It is. Know? I mean, I think we're, we're in a different era, and some of it is driven by economics, but as I think we're going to hear through the program, it's driven by some other things as well. Chantal, really a delight to have you on the program. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. We are looking at this question here on Cross Country Checkup. Are you living with your parents to save money? How do you feel about adult children living at home? I'm Ian Hanamansing in Vancouver, and we're live on CBC News Network, CBC Radio, and a few other CBC platforms. Our phone number is 1-888-416-8333. Our text number is 226-758-8924. Let's take a look at some of the online reaction we're getting on the program. D. Uh, got in touch with us via X Twitter. Uh, happened to my daughter and uh, and I. So uh, this is a mistake, a little grammatical thing that I did this morning on uh, the radio in Ontario. Happened to my daughter and me. <laughs> um, it's been almost a year triggered by illness and rental property sold. Now prices are out of reach for her. Carrie Corbett via Aircheck from Calgary writes, to help our late 20s adult children prepare for their own home purchases, they moved into our home and we moved out. In 2022, our RV became our home for the warm months, and we spent the rest of the time in a condo with occasional visits at home in between. Our goals include helping them save money to eventually buy their own homes and provide them with hands-on homeowner experience. That's a really interesting uh, setup, Carrie. And uh, the next comment came in via Aircheck from Port Perry, Ontario. And uh, I I don't have a pronunciation guide here, uh, Alexon, so don't wince too much as I try to pronounce your name. Uh, Philippia, perhaps. Um, I'm 29, currently unemployed, living with my parents. I'm in a confused state as I try to restart my life. I left my previous job as a manager at a restaurant, went on sick leave for the past four months. I've got eight years of service experience, but I'm trying to get myself into a different career path. Got a degree at U of T, don't have much money saved up as it all went into basic costs of things like paying for my vehicle and the occasional assistance with my family bills. Are you living with your parents to save money? How do you feel about adult children living at home? Give us a call here on Cross Country Checkup, 1-888-416-8333. As we heard uh, at the beginning of the program from Cassandra, many young adults living with their parents for financial reasons, among other things. Uh, How does that affect the dynamic between a parent and a grown kid? Vicki Stark is a family therapist and a director at Sedona Counseling Centre, and she joins us from Montreal. Hi. Hi, Ian. So if someone is living with their parents as an adult, what are some of the the difficulties that you see that that come with that kind of arrangement? Well, I mean, already your callers have highlighted a whole bunch of these problems. Um, And one of the main issues is this role confusion. Like, are they kids living at home the way they were when they were 15? Um, Or are they adults? And they just happen to be living at home. So very often, you know, in families, it's not really, there's not a real clear delineation about what that role is when you have an adult child living at home. I was really interested in hearing Cassandra, um, how, you know, the goalposts have changed. 
she said, like, this is different from 20 years ago. Well, 20 years ago, you would assume that by the time you graduated from university, it was sort of a taken for granted that you were, you would want to get out of the house. You would want to move out, even if it meant living with a roommate or two roommates to be able to make it affordable. Mm-hmm. But now there's that comfort zone where, you know, she was saying it's common, you know, that people in their 20s and particularly in, in the GTA where things are so expensive, it's not unusual for them to be living with their parents. But it still leaves us wondering, you know, like, what are the roles within the family? You know, are they still um, expecting mom to do all the grocery shopping and expecting mom to do the cooking and the laundry? You know, to what extent are they doing like adult tasks? you know, that contribute to the household, mm-hmm. or, you know, like all of us, when you go home for Christmas, how you regress back <laughs> to your role as you were when you were 12. Um, and that that's sort of a normal thing on both sides, both yeah. from the parents' point of view and the kids' point of view. You're going to be with us through most of this portion of the program. So I'll come back to yeah. you and, and ask you to react to some of the callers. I, I do have a couple of more questions for you now, though. Um, I have a yes. clip here from a researcher at UBC, Umay Kadar. She's a PhD candidate in sociology studying young adults living with their parents. Contrary to this public opinion, young adults in my study consider this time as a, as a chance to get to know their parents not as children, but as adults. They were being really helpful in terms of supporting their parents emotionally, financially, being part of the household budgeting. It doesn't seem like they are, quote and unquote, as entitled as they are portrayed in the media. So, Vicki Stark, you're a family therapist. You're probably not getting a lot of clients who are coming to you to say, everything is fantastic at our place, you know? (laughs) We have this perfect situation. You are seeing the imperfect situations. And and, and when you see those situations, I wonder, um, do you get a sense either from the adult children or the parents that there's a stigma about those children living at home? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I think when people come to see me, it's because uh, 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 it's not really working, (laughs) you know? Um, Either the parents are tearing their hair out and saying, you know, He's sleeping till noon and he doesn't help with anything. And then, you know, he comes downstairs and says, what's for dinner? Um, Or, you know, the kids are saying, you know, I went out with my friends and I'm 27 years old and my mom wants to know what time are you coming home and where did you go and (laughs) and what did you eat? (laughs) Um, And so that there's that intrusiveness on the part of the parents um, or the, the children are just, you know, not very mature and grown up. You know, I, I loved, you know, the the visual clip that you played with uh with the the researcher. Mm-hmm. Um which was a very mature family and the young man looked very, you know, mature and helpful. But I, I think in a lot of families the the problems are that not everybody is not every young person is playing a role um as a as a mature adult. Yeah, I mean, um, arguably, I don't play the role of a mature adult even in my home. So we won't, we will not, we will not have my wife calling in here. But uh, uh, we're live here with Vicki Stark, a family therapist on Cross Country Checkup, and our question this week: Are you living with your parents to save money? How do you feel about adult children living at home? Our number is one eight 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 four one six eight three three three. Vicki, let me ask you one more question now. And as I say, we'll be coming back to you a lot over the next hour. But but let's talk about uh, money uh, and rent. I want to. 
play a clip from Robin Tobe, a chartered professional accountant and author of the book, The Wisest Investment, Teaching Your Kids to Be Responsible, Independent, and Money Smart for Life. Here's her view on whether adults living with parents should be paying rent. If they're trying to save towards, you know, eventually moving out, then paying you rent is going to detract from that goal. So they can help cover some of the costs of them living there, uh, perhaps like the food, contribute to the food budget or even utilities. Uh, I don't think it's necessary just to charge rent like for the sake of it. But I think, again, it goes back to your values. And I think some families are going to feel very strongly that their children should contribute. So that's the perspective from a chartered professional accountant. Let's get the perspective, Vicky, from a family therapist. Rent or no rent? Yeah. So I think that I I don't totally agree with her because I think you want to have some clarity. Um, And so if you're expecting your kids to sort of pitch in 20 bucks here and 50 bucks there occasionally, it's not very clear. But if on the first of the month, they have to pay you even a token amount of two, three hundred dollars. Um, which isn't going to make the difference as to whether they're going to move out or not move out. But it has clarity. You know, you know, adults pay rent. Um, and if they if they're going to participate in the food uh, costs, then it should be specific and clear. Um, and I think that that makes a benchmark between adolescence and adulthood. You know, if when you get to the point where you have graduated from university, you're still living with your parents, you start to pay rent, then you're clear. You know, that's what adults do. They pay rent. <laughs> the no-nonsense advice from Vicki Stark, yeah. a family therapist and director of the Sedona Counseling Centre. You are here with us for the next hour or so. Uh, so we will come back to you. Thank you very much. Sure. Coming up, we'll also speak with a matchmaker about how to navigate dating while living at home with your parents. Our question, are you living with your parents to save money? How do you feel about adult children living at home? Our number, 1-888-416-8333. Our text number, 226-758-8924. Matthew Bernier is in Montreal. Hi, Matthew. Hi. How are you, Ian? Um, good, good. Uh, how do you feel about adult children yeah. living at home? Well, I'm a social worker, mm-hmm. so you can say I'm kind of like Vicki Stark. She's probably a psychologist, but mm-hmm. I worked in crisis intervention. I was successful. I had two degrees from university, three from college, uh, openly gay, and I lived with my parents all my life, and both of them died in my arms mm. at different times. Mm-hmm. I supported my mom after my dad was gone. We, I had two older brothers. They left, One left at 17, and the other left at 19 or 20, and through conflict. So they were both asked to leave. Um, I loved it. Uh, after my dad died, I was a traveling partner with my mom. We went to movies, and I didn't feel ever in my life that I had to do this or I needed to do this. And I paid rent at home from the lowest-scale job, which would have been to 200 a month, to the highest-scale job as much as 1000 a month. I wanted to do that. My parents were furious. They were both successful. My dad was an accountant in a big firm for over 50 years, and my mom was a psychologist Mm -hmm. at her own psychology, and then she went into real estate. And I don't understand in North America, not so much in other parts of the world anymore, which is sad, 
what is wrong with living with your parents till they die mm-hmm. and leave the apartments to people that need them? That I blame part of the housing crisis on this model we have in North America. As soon as you're 18 or you're 23 and you get out to have a career, out you go. Mm-hmm. Well, Matthew, it sounds like you had a wonderful, long relationship with both of your parents. Uh, any family dynamic comes with its pluses and minuses. Absolutely. Were there, were there any things that you think... Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, my mom was a Virgo, mm-hmm. and I'm an Aries. Mm-hmm. So if you know the zodiac signs, you can imagine. And sometimes my father would look at us in the kitchen, and it was red hot. Mm-hmm. But one of us left the house and came back... And sure, I went to see my boyfriend at his apartment. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I would be gone two, three, four days. Luckily, my parents loved to travel too. So sometimes I would have the house to myself for six weeks. And they knew somebody was there taking care of the property, cutting the lawn and yep. making sure, you know. Matthew, thank you very much for your call. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ian, and I'll be watching it tonight at 9 o'clock. Fantastic. On the National. I appreciate that. Our phone number here on Cross Country Checkup is one 888 And our question, are you living with your parents to save money? How do you feel about adult children living at home? You can also connect via cbc.ca slash aircheck. Debbie Alvald uh, is in Barrie, Ontario. Hi, Debbie. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How do you feel about adult children living at home? Well, I had both my adult children, their partners, and my granddaughter living with us. So I would say that it was a very good experience. Mm-hmm. And and what was the motivation for having uh, your, your two kids and their partners in your house? Um, well, the idea came for me when I was younger, when I lived at Keel and Lawrence in that neighborhood, mm-hmm. and my best friend at work. Um, it was her living arrangement with her parents, and I always remember that. So when my kids became adults, I, am, I employed the same technique. So they just lived at home, they saved money, they paid rent every month, and then when, it was, when they were ready to move out, we gave them back all the rent money that they had paid. Nice. I've heard of that. Uh, Yeah, I've heard that from uh, different people, that kind of arrangement. Now, by my count, uh, you would have had six adults in three generations living under the same roof. I don't know how big your house is or how much patience you have, but it it sounds like that could be challenging. Yes. It was a small house. We lived in a 1,000-square-foot bungalow with a finished basement. Mm-hmm. And so um, the both the, um, my daughters and her partners lived in the basement, which was finished. And then we lived on the main floor, and the baby was on the main floor as well. So um, it was a bit tight that way, but, um, you know, we made it through. It was, it was good. And, uh, yeah, and we shared in the responsibility of um, the expenses, too, because when it came to meals, there were six of us. So my husband and I were responsible to do the dishes buy the food and cook it for two nights, and the same with the others. So six nights were covered, and Friday night was our night off, and I did Sunday. Nice. And uh, so the pay for the food, too, and yeah. everything. One, one last thing, uh, whether it's uh, something that worked out well or something that didn't work out well, any advice for people who are listening? Um, I would say that you have to be organized, and they have to participate in, which as a previous person said, the you know the bills the upkeep of the house paying for the food and um 
I don't know. We just worked it out. It wasn't easy. It was difficult. But, uh, you know, especially when they didn't understand when they paid their rent money, they couldn't get it back. So if something happened and they had an expense, um, you know, we've had them come back and say, can we have some of our money back? And we were just like, no, you know, you can't go back to your landlord. And, you know, we worked it through and they all, you know, have since bought their own houses and they've been financially secure since they were about 23 or 24 years old. Wow. So, and, and, and you said, and were, did sorry. I remember, did I hear this correctly, that you ended up, the plan was, and you did this, to give them back their rent money when they finally left? Correct. That yeah. was like the main goal. And, you know, one of uh, my, my daughter and her department with the baby, they were really motivated. So they dedicated like all their tax returns, mm-hmm. um, everything they could on their own savings so that when they did move out, they even had more than the rent money given back to them. So yeah, they had it. yeah it was good. And, and what, what's it, what was it like? Did you, you, so is it just like you and your husband in this big, well, not big, medium-sized empty house now? Um, yeah, uh, we're actually in a bigger house now than we were in when all of us were there, but it's almost time to like down, downsize again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, Debbie, thank you very much for the call. I appreciate it. No, thank you. Bye-bye. This is Cross Country Checkup. I'm Ian Hanamansing. We're live in Vancouver. And our question, are you living with your parents to save money? How do you feel about adult children living at home? Our number is one 416 I want to bring back Vicki Stark, the family therapist who is in Montreal. And uh, Vicki, I, I thought that was a really interesting strategy that she had, that on the one hand, yes. she collected rent. So she's uh, taking a page out of your book. Even yes. when her two kids sometimes wanted some of that rent money back, <laughs> they were having yes. financial hardship. No, she was tough. She said no, yes. but it was tough love because in the end, unbeknownst to them, they got it all back when they left. So how, how do you feel about that kind of arrangement? What a nice surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, having heard from Debbie and having heard from Matthew, this was very important because what it points out is that it's not um, necessarily problematic for adult children to be living with their parents. You know, we sort of assume there's a term in psychology called failure to thrive or failure to launch rather. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that means is an adult that doesn't move out basically and is still like in the sort of child role. But, you know, the, every family is different and every family has its own needs and its own motivation. Um, so I think, you know, it's an important message to mm-hmm. say, don't feel as though you failed as a parent Um, or, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself as an adult child living at home if it works for your particular configuration, like when Matthew said that he was a companion to his mom after his dad died. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I think that that's important, and I think that that we don't have to all fit into the cookie-cutter idea that everyone has to move out at a certain point because sometimes it's not necessarily the best thing. Yeah, and and in a at a time when Stats Canada tells us that thirty five percent of adults thirty four and yeah. under are living with at least one parent, yeah. there are lots of different shapes coming out of that cookie cutter, and uh, <laughs> a lot of them have smiley faces where it's all working out. Although I'm sure we're going to hear some stories where not all the faces are smiling. Vicky, we'll come back to you in in a few moments here on Cross Country Checkup. So we've been talking about adults moving home 
to live with parents. So that, that happens sometimes. But um, there are lots of other reasons why adult children would live at home. There are a number of multi-generational households in Canada, and that number is growing. And even though it's relatively small here in Canada, there it's far more common in some other parts of the world, including Vietnam. And that's where my next guest's family is originally from, Tao. Tao Nguyen uh, moved to Canada 12 years ago. She lives in Calgary with her husband, her daughter, her parents, and her brother, and we've reached her in Calgary. Hi. Hi. Uh, so you? I'm great. Uh, so tell us how, how it is that, that you made the decision to have so many family members living together under one roof. Yeah. So um, just, you know, some background information. We have also have six people in our family right now. Um, I, me, myself, my parents, my brother, my husband, and my four-year-old daughter is like a full house and <laughs> yeah it's like it's very busy in the house but um I think there's other reasons that um we decided to live together and the major reason is that we are a new immigrant family that coming here I came here 12 years ago as an international student and then my brother same thing and my parents only moved here five years ago so you know that kind of support that I want to provide to my parents are very important to me so um, that's the reason why we are living together right now. And so it, I, I think for some families, it might be a big decision. Like, do we even want our parents to be living with us? Are we going to have a, a brother who's living mm-hmm. here? Sounds like in your situation, it, it 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 wasn't a difficult decision. It was kind of what you assumed you would do. Yeah, it, it wasn't a hard decision at, at all, um, especially coming from Vietnam, where it's very socially accepted that, you know, adult humans live with um, their parents like for for us like it if we live in Vietnam right now then we will also be like one of us would be still be staying with uh, with our parents so when we come here as new immigrants as you know we we didn't have all the years to be on our like resources and finances like you know others that have lived here mm-hmm. um so we this is like a very easy decision to make and it works out fortunately for us and um, in our family. It's not always easy. It doesn't matter what the, the family arrangement is. It can be a couple. Mm-hmm. It can be sort of the what we used to call, I don't know if we still do, the nuclear family, you know, mom, dad, and, and kids, um, or bigger families. And and you wrote in an article for cbc.ca yeah. that the trigger can sometimes be, uh, for a dispute, can be something as simple as a house plant. Tell us, yes. Tell us that story. Yeah, so is yeah, I'm I'm very glad that I was able to write that piece. Um and very thankful for CBC first person to allow me to tell my story. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the story was about this house plant that um that you know, I purchased from Costco and it just grew like so fast. <laughs> and um I originally had it in my bedroom right here actually. And then it it just is so big that I decided that maybe I can move it to the living room downstairs. But that's not what my brother wanted. And we had a little bit of a quarrel. <laughs> um, and it 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 was at, at those moments, I felt like, why would I be living with my family? You know, like, why would I have to fight over this, you know, little thing of, mm-hmm. you know, where do I place my plant? And but but again, that story is all, also about the benefits of multi-generational living as well, like on the flip side of it, even though there's these small moments of, you know, conflict overall um, is such a great, um, I think, privilege to be able to live with my family. Mm-hmm. How, how did you resolve mm-hmm. the houseplant dispute? 
<laughs> I think that's that's actually my loss. Uh, I had to move it back to my bedroom. It's like in the corner <laughs> of the bedroom right now. And uh, you know what? Sometimes it's, you know, it's my loss. But overall, I think it's a win for my whole family. Absolutely. We're here live mm-hmm. with Tao Nguyen, uh, who lives uh, with uh, within a multi-generational household. And our question today, are you living with your parents mm-hmm. to save money? How do you feel about adult children living at home? Our number one 888 Tao, your, your husband is from New Brunswick. He's not of Vietnamese descent, as I understand it. So how did he react to, to uh, you know, mm-hmm. moving in with this, this, this multi-generational family all under one roof? Is I I don't quite recall like how it all happened. Um, it's just that you know, my brother came first, so we you know lived together, but because we were both international students back then, and then after a while, I got married with him, and um, my parents came as um, you know permanent residents, and they just naturally moved into our family. So I think he just assumed that they're gonna live with us because you know, of the, because they are new immigrant and they basically have no home here to, to mm-hmm. stay, right? So, yeah. So he never said to you, hey, like, what's going on? When I <laughs> married you, I was not expecting I was marrying this extended family. Um, it's actually very fortunate that that conversation never happened <laughs> uh, to us. And and yeah, we I, I actually got asked that question quite a bit, like how is my husband getting along with the rest of the, my family? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like again, there's still some occasional or you know um, conflicts between mm-hmm. you know us in the family, but overall, he he really enjoys this arrangement. He loves mm-hmm. the support and the comfort that my parents, my brother, are able to provide to him. Um, especially with taking care of my little daughter as well. Yeah. Um, and even like more than that, not just, you know, personal matters within the family. I think he also found support for his career and mm-hmm. his uh, personal like in life enjoyment, basically. Yeah. So it's really nice. Yeah, yeah it's, it's also mm-hmm. interesting, Tao. Thank you very much for uh, speaking with us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks Tao. for having me. Tao Nguyen is uh, in a multi-generational home in Calgary. Our number here on Cross Country Checkup, if you'd like to take part in the conversation, what's it like living at home as an adult? What's it like to be the parent of the adult who's living at home? 1-888-416-8333. Quinn Dolazar is uh, one of the people who connected with us via cbc.ca slash aircheck. Hi, Quinn. Hi, Ian. I see you're in Vernon, British Columbia. Um, are you living with your parents to save money? Yes, I currently am as of last year. I wasn't mm-hmm. before that, but uh, due to the house selling that I was renting a part of and getting two dogs while I was living there, so then having that on top, another thing, extra thing having to look for a house uh, just made it that much more difficult um, as I was uh, it, there's I could rent out a whole house I'm sure but I don't think I could afford that by myself mm-hmm. so in order just to have a, a, a good safe place while I'm at work for the dogs and to have it good for them and um, I just chose to move back in with my parents, and I'm just luckily lucky and blessed to be able to do that. Yeah. So, so have there been any challenges? 
Uh, yeah, challenges for sure. As in, I really related to the the first caller who was doing the interview from her car and just a lot of the stuff she was saying, really, I would definitely echo and just space issues and you're not having your own space and it's their house, you know, so you don't, you definitely don't want to, or I don't want to say anything or impose as little as possible. So it just makes a lot of stuff harder um mm-hmm. but it, in the in the end i still think it's the best for now and i think that because everything's so expensive and rent so expensive i mean if i have the option to save that much money every month why not how old how old were you when you moved out originally uh, I was actually quite young. I think I was 17 or 18 when I moved out originally. Yeah. So, so, so that's almost uh, half of your life ago. And so I assume you're, I mean, we all are so different at 33 than we were at 17. Yeah. Um, so is yeah. has that, do you think that's been a bit of a tough adjustment for your parents to deal with the, the 33 year old Quinn under their roof now? I think it's been better, honestly. I think I was a lot worse at that age. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been way worse if I was living with them in my early 20s opposed to now. Um, I think now, because I'm older uh, and don't, um, aren't so quick to argue and with them and things. Uh, I think it's been better, actually, in that sense. So, which has been nice, but... There's arguments, but not so much about the house, just more like family stuff in general. Mm-hmm. So in that way, it's actually been good. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally relate to, uh, I think I was much more chill. I hope I was at 33 than <laughs> yeah. I was at 17 or 21. Quinn, thank you very much for calling in. Thanks a lot, Ian. Have a great day. This is Cross Country Checkup on CBC News Network and CBC Radio, among other CBC platforms. I'm Ian Hanna-Mansing. Our question, are you living with your parents to save money? How do you feel about adult children living at home? And what's it like navigating dating when you're living at home? Geneva Dickey is the owner and head matchmaker at Book of Love Canada, and she joins us now from Halifax. Hi, Geneva. Hi, Ian. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, thank you very much for taking part in the program. How do you match someone who's living at home with their parents with uh, someone who is not? How do you deal with that in terms of compatibility? See, we are all about full disclosure. So, you know, family values is something that's deep in everybody. And if someone's living at home, it may be a deal breaker for some, but it's oftentimes not a deal breaker for all. So we just fully disclose when we send a match that they are living at home and then they can decide on if that's a good fit for them. And do you have a sense of how that uh, lands? Like, does is that a, just a non-starter for a bunch of people? Yes, it absolutely is. Um, it is a non-starter. It is a deal breaker for a lot of people, but it's also not a deal breaker for a lot of people, which is why I tell a lot of the clients that come to us that are living at home to please keep an abundance mindset. And if someone declines or rejects you because you're living with your family, you know, in your late 20s, early 30s, that's okay. It's not the right fit. There's somebody out there where it won't be a deal breaker at all, and they'll actually love it. Should they put it on their online dating profile? No, 100% not. Um, <laughs> I recommend um, maybe bring it up casually on a first or second date. Um, but it's not something that is so much of a deal breaker that it has to be almost plastered on your social or on your um, Tinder or Bumble or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a little bit in the conversation if it naturally comes up. But I don't want people to come into it being like, okay, I have something really important that I need to tell you that may be a deal breaker and I feel ashamed by it. I'd still live at home. We don't want that. Yeah. Could you imagine that 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 sort of preamble before you say exactly what you're talking about? And 
and all the other things that are racing through somebody's <laughs> mind. You know, it, you may yeah. not like this. It may change everything. I'm kind of embarrassed. It's like, what is going to go on here? So, so how, and how living at how, home is a relief. Yeah, exactly. Well, maybe yeah. if you, if you get that far, you know, and you're like, stop. I don't. I don't want to hear <laughs> what's what's going on now. So there's the connecting part of it, and then there's the actual dating part part of that. So, uh, w- what sort of advice do you give? What are some of the challenges? We can all imagine the challenges of, of mm-hmm. somebody who's living at home um, and with their parents. They're an adult, twenty eight years old, let's say, and uh, and 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 they're they're dating. So, w- what are the complications there? Well, the complications a lot of the time is um, honestly the parents, you know, I recommend having a really adult conversation with your parents on what makes sense for them and what they feel comfortable with under their roof around your dating life. Um, Whether the person's going to come over and meet them earlier than typical when in the dating world, or if you are just going to do your courtship outside of the house for the first three, four, five dates, if that's what it's going to look like too. Coming up with a plan is really important as well. Um, And talking with the homeowners or the, you know, the parents beforehand. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the questions I've been asking various people, because I, I, I like the sort of live perspective from people in 2023. Um, do you think there's a stigma uh, in, in what you see uh, with uh, adults living at home with their parents? Um, I don't know if stigma is the right word for it. I think it's just people's preferences. And in dating, we're allowed to have our preferences. So yes, there are people out there that are going to have a certain stigma on someone that lives at home and what that situation is for them. And there's other people where that's not the case. We have this beautiful couple. She's in her late 20s. He's in his early 30s. They're both living with their parents and we match them up and they are happily in a relationship coming up six months. Um, Now, we tried matchmaking her with two other people prior to this gentleman and they were a 100% no because she was living with their parents. And that probably was based on stigma in their mind. But again, her perfect match did not care. It's really interesting talking to you. And I'll bet you you have tons of stories on tons of topics. So thank you for sharing uh, some of them on our uh, show topic this week. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Ian. Geneva Dickey is the owner and head matchmaker at Book of Love Canada, and we reached her in Halifax. Coming up, we're going to speak to the 28-year-old mayor of a small Ontario town who can't afford a house in her own city. She's living with her parents. Uh, Let me just take a quick look at some of the... uh Social media and uh, online comments we're getting. Diana Bliss from Calgary via cbc.ca slash aircheck says, how many families are living with children on disability? My son is on AISH, so Alberta disability maybe is that. Uh, he couldn't afford to live on his home uh, on his own and he wouldn't be able to. It would be an interesting thing to learn what those numbers are. I know it creates stress for many families and causes me to question whether governments truly understand what supports adults actually require who can't work regardless of why. A couple more online comments I'll get to in a moment, but let me say goodbye to our TV viewers on CBC News Network. Rosemary Barton Live is next. I'm speaking to you at a moment of grave crisis. I'm Jeff Turner, and this is Recall. It's a series about history. Not the ancient past, but history that's still hot to the touch. In this first season, I explore a revolutionary political movement that brought a modern democracy to the brink. You can find Recall, How to Start a Revolution, on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
This is hour two of Cross Country Checkup live on CBC Radio, CBC Explore, and the CBC Listen app. We have about 30 minutes left on our main topic. And then it's our Ask Me Anything segment. We want your questions about mortgage rates. You may have already felt the pressure of high interest rates on your housing costs, especially if you have a variable rate mortgage. Even if you haven't, chances are you will soon have to deal with uh, renewal. According to RBC, 60% of mortgages are set to renew in the next three years. We'll have a mortgage broker joining us. He'll be here to answer your questions. And you can actually start calling now with your AMA questions, one 888-416-8333. You can text us with questions as well, 226-758-8924. And those numbers also work for the next 30 minutes on our main topic. Are you living with your parents to save money? How do you feel about adult children living at home? Uh, Noon Ahmed is uh, calling from Toronto. Hi, Noon. Hi, Ian. How's it going? Good, good. And is your last name pronounced Ahmed or Ahmed? It's Ahmed. Okay. Uh, so uh, what uh, what's your situation in terms of uh, home life? Yeah, so I'm 25 years old and I'm living with my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, this topic is pretty interesting because for us in my community and my culture as an Ethiopian, mm-hmm. it's almost normal for like it is pretty much normal and it's abnormal to move out after um so it's like basically you're expected to stay home until you get married Mm -hmm. and the idea of even leaving beforehand it's almost like why would i do that if i would be alone all by myself i'd rather just be with the community and with my family at home Mm -hmm. so that's how i feel about it yeah and and so were you born in canada or how long have you lived in canada I was born in Canada. Yeah, so I just I just wonder what it's like for you. Um, presumably, you had friends in school who were kind of part of a culture where they just assumed whether it was eighteen after high school, twenty one after undergrad, or whatever, it was going to be uh, moving out. Like even if you could barely afford it, have to live in an apartment. That's part of being adult. Uh, when you heard their stories and their expectations, what did you think? Yeah, so it's interesting for me because I'm from Scarborough Mm -hmm. and most of the people, like we've all been to university, we all have really well-paying jobs, we're high earners and we're all living at home. Um, So it's almost like it's it's kind of very much uncommon. Like I don't know anybody that's in my friend group that is that has moved out living on their own unless they're in another country for work. Mm. Um, But then I guess the people in my university, I've heard that the notion of, oh, you stay at home still, that sort of thing. But or like even in my workplace, like oh, you should, you're still at home because I guess they're not they're not from that first generation immigrant community, or that like that's something that's abnormal to them. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm the people I'm surrounded with uh, have that idea of okay, we're a collectivist society, we stay together. Um, so yeah, I'm used to it. Yeah. And, and, you know, as I said at the beginning of the program, Stats Canada says that 35% of adults uh, 34 years old and, and under in Canada are living with at least one parent. So this is, you know, this is pretty widespread and it's not just confined, I'm sure, to, to certain cultural communities. Um, there's a lot of, you know, we're hearing fantastic stories on the program about how enriching it can be. And I don't even mean financially, I just mean emotionally to, to be at home uh, with parents as an adult. Um, there are challenges, though, too. And Noon, have there been challenges for you? Um, for me, not so much. Um, and I guess what you were saying with now it's becoming more common because, like, I guess you said 30 or so percent, uh, mm-hmm. according to Stack 10, that's like a huge amount. But I feel like for our communities, it's almost 
it's expected. But then for these newer communities, like these, the people that have, have been doing it a certain way for a while, this is sort of like a different thing that they need to get used to. Mm-hmm. But for us, we've already had that expectation our whole lives. Like once you get married, that's when you move out. So that's why it's not like something that's abnormal. And we kind of just make do like the way that we live. Um, like we help each other out. We're there for one another. And that's always how we've, we've lived throughout the years, like just generally from generation to generation. So it's something that's that's normal. Yeah. So something that's normal for you, something that's normal for your parents. What about when it comes to, to dating? Does that, I mean, is that complicated while you're living at home? Not so much. I guess uh, someone mentioned, I think it was the first caller about, going somewhere and having that awkward feeling but um about what you're like where you're going i guess there's a little bit of that but then in terms of what the matchmaker was talking about uh in terms of like people not wanting to be with you if you are living at home i don't really get that much um as a muslim it's almost like oh like that's another expectation a lot of people are staying at home until they get married so if you're if you're not doing that it's a little bit of like a something that's different so yeah, I'm not. It's it's not too much of a a weird thing or like a deal breaker for people that I'm I'm attempting to be with uh, in the future. Yeah, um, if I'm staying at home. Yeah. Noon. Thank you very much for calling. My pleasure. Thanks, Ian. Free Palestine. Are you living with your parents to save money? How do you feel about adult children living at home? This is Cross Country Checkup. I'm Ian Hanamansing, live in Vancouver. So at the beginning of the program, we heard from a nurse in Toronto who's living with her parents. Uh, Like a lot of young people, having a good, stable job doesn't necessarily mean you can afford to rent on your own and certainly not buy on your own. And and that is the case for our next guest. Natasha Salonen is the mayor of Wilmot, Ontario. You heard right, the mayor of Wilmot, Ontario. She's just 20. 28 years old, uh, and like a lot of people her age, she's living with her parents. And we reached Natasha today in Wilmot. Hi. Hi, thanks so much for having me in. Can I call you Natasha or should I call you Mayor uh, Salonen? <laughs> no, you may call me Natasha. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Um, so as I understand it, you moved back uh, after university with your family for financial reasons. T- tell me h- how you made that decision. Yeah, so I went to university abroad in the UK, and uh, despite getting some job offers there, once I started looking at um, the fluctuation of the British pound to the Canadian dollar, my student finances to pay off, and the cost of living in London, UK, um, I realized moving home would be a good opportunity, as well as my dad has had ALS since I was 10, so moving home meant that I was able to help with caregiving responsibilities as well. And in terms of that part of it, the caregiving responsibilities, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what, how much, I mean, it would have been a much bigger challenge, I guess, for your parents if you weren't back home. I like to think that. Um, <laughs> and I think that they would feel the same way as well. Um, so although we do have personal support workers for anyone who... Uh, does require that kind of assistance. They know that that industry is lacking reliable employees as well. And there's a lot of issues in our home health care system. So the fact that I'm able to be at home also allows my mother to have her full-time job, which she's a principal of a high school. So she's a very busy woman as well. And we can ensure that my dad gets good care between the both of us and the other supports we have coming into the house. We've done entire programs here on Cross Country Checkup about housing and talking about housing solutions. That's not what this program is, but 
I mean, you're the mayor of a small city of 20,000 people or so, so I think it's an appropriate question to ask you. Let me ask you this way. What do you think it says about where we're at in Canada right now that someone like yourself, 28 years old, mayor of a small city, uh, feels like she can't afford to live on her home, uh, on her own? Yeah, um, I think it really does highlight the fact that this isn't just one-off kids or people um, making different financial decisions throughout their life. I think it's a point that this is really a crisis as we are looking at uh, affordability and costs of housing across the country. Um, And for me, it really didn't even dawn until uh, my story went national back in August. And I had people reaching out all across the country sharing that they also live at home with their parents and they're in their late 20s and early 30s. And um, I heard even from my residents, which didn't really come up during the campaign, I heard a lot of them saying, yeah, you know, our kids have moved back in. And increasingly since COVID as well, I've had a lot of friends who have moved back home with their parents. So I think it really highlights we're at a point in time where we need to policy-wise be looking at all different government levels of how to help make housing more affordable, but also at a point where societally we might need to be discussing what does housing look like and how do we as a society interact with that? Do people still grow up and move out at the age of 18 or is the norm shifting towards multi-generational living? Mm -hmm. We're here live with Natasha Salonen. She's the mayor of Wilmot, Ontario, and has said to me kindly, I do not have to refer to her as mayor or your worship. I can just call you (laughs) Natasha, which is fantastic. Uh, If people want to talk to us about living with parents to save money or how they feel about adult children living at home, still time to give us a call at 1-888-416-8333. Natasha, did it come up at all in any way during your campaign for mayor that you were living at home? Um, I mean, a lot of people knew I was living at home, but not per se a question. I think one person asked, um, that means I'm not paying property taxes, so can I still be mayor? But um, I mean, I inadvertently pay them through, I do um, pay about a third of all the grocery costs. And like I said, I'm the agreement my parents and I have is because I help with caregiving, I don't actually have to pay rent in exchange, but there is still the fact my parents are paying property taxes, but that was the only question. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, people who are renting are not directly paying property taxes either, right? They, uh, I mean. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, uh, I, I guess let me ask you the question that I've asked a version of to, to most of the guests on the program. Do, do you get the sense that, that, that there's a stigma here about people your age living at home? Um, I thought that there was a stigma, but now that I do live at home, I see how much more commonplace it is. And I think that it's really decreasing. Uh, more often than not, when people find out I live at home, they go, oh, yeah, my kids lived at home until they were 30 or 31. Um, In fact, one of my cousins lived at home, her and her husband lived at my aunt and uncle's for their first year of marriage while they saved up to purchase a home. Um, So again, I think the stigma is decreasing as well as like our guest before uh, Noon was saying, in some cultures, it's commonplace and it's actually um, odd for some people to not be living at home. That's exactly the word I was thinking as well, Natasha. Thank you very much for uh, taking our call. Thanks so much for having me, Ian. Natasha Salonen is the mayor of Wilmot, Ontario. Our Ask Me Anything with mortgage broker Ron Butler is coming right up. You can call us with your mortgage rate questions now. Are you shopping around for rates or you're considering refinancing? Same number if you want to 
Tell us that you'd like to ask a question on the AMA, one 416 1-888-416-8333. And our text number, you can text a question, 226 And uh, let's go to Leah Tuck in Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island. I think our first call from Atlantic Canada on the program. Hi, Leah. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Oh, great. From the East Coast, Atlantic Canada here. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So this, this I guess, um, comes up in a timely, you know, mm-hmm. very timely for me and for our family. Um, yeah. And, and why is it timely? Um, so um, we have a child between my, my former partner and his, so our, our adult son mm-hmm. is now with me. Mm-hmm. And and he had been with his dad, um, but I think the issue for me is that, um, well, as I've heard a lot of your callers call in, and and I can hear us all sort of navigating the pros and cons of the challenges and advantages. I I, th- I think I can see it being somewhat normalized. My concern when I originally heard the call was that it just sort of arrived, like we turned on the radio, and this is just on the heels of the first week of being with me after having been with dad for a year. Mm-hmm. And, and how, how's so, it going? Well, good, good. <laughs> very good. I think. Yeah. Um, I, I was hearing your, uh, your first, you, you know, your professionals and I, I just, I'm not sure about the rent and utilities, mm-hmm. um, and having them and expecting that, um, mm-hmm. especially considering the cause of, um, my adult son, you know, moving and and staying with a parent. Yeah. Well, so, I think I let's yeah. bring let's bring Vicky back into this conversation and I think uh, just what little I have uh, dealt with Vicky in, in on the program, I think she's quite uh, flexible and open to various situations that various families are in, but uh, um Vicky, why don't you start a little bit of a conversation with Leah? What uh, what do you think of her situation and her un- uncertainty about how to you know, whether you should make uh, adult kids pay rent. Yeah. Well, Leah, you're alluding to the cause. The reason that your son was living with his dad and now he's living with you, is there some specific thing going on in your case? No, I think that, I think it is somewhat, you know, it sort of ties the the common theme is that, that it does, it does reach out and have arms in other aspects of our current economic situation. So I, th- I think the reason he's living um, with either me or his dad is a very significant and valid one. And I'm, and I'm not um, entirely certain I should be charging rent. I think that uh, perhaps, what do you think of um, just ensuring that he does save at the beginning of every month rather than taking? Uh, totally. Great. Go for it. I mean, I think that you have to do what works for you. Um, And that's a very elegant solution, you know, to suggest to him, even if even if it's, you know, a token amount like $50 or something, you know, that he religiously saves every month, uh, gets gets that good habit of saving, you know, Mm -hmm. regularly. Yeah. Um, And it's not, you know, it's like, look, every situation is different. If you have a, a, an adult child, like we heard the, our first caller that we're all referring to, Cassandra, who's a nurse making, you know, $70,000 a year, you know, mm-hmm. that's a different story than a child who's living at home because of health problems 
or, you know, having lost a job and not having any income coming in or something like Mm -hmm. that. So Mm -hmm. you have to tailor it to you. But I think that your suggestion that, you know, that you're not so comfortable with the rent idea, but that you'd like to suggest to him that, you know, that one of the one of the expectations of him living at home is that he will save put some money in a savings account every month. It sounds like a beautiful solution. Great. Yeah. And I just wanted to normalize that for everybody, I guess. Um, You know, and the other thing I wanted to talk about in general, just uh, since it is sort of a, a, you know, an yeah, let me just jump in, Leah, and let yeah, Vicky yeah. know. I'm going to come back to you, Vicky, in just a yeah. moment. But yeah, Leah, sure, go, sure. Ahead. go ahead. Yeah, but you go I ahead. I just Leah. wanted to, like, um, it's so funny how adults, well, it's not funny. I don't mean funny in the actual literal way. <laughs> but it's 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 a little bit challenging to see, um, you know, adult children sort of carry a bit of burden and shame on themselves. Mm-hmm. And so yes. I, I just wanted to mention yep. that, yes. um, you know, I, I think, you know, for example, you know, uh, our son mentioned, you know, and I've been living home all my life. And I didn't want to point out to him while he was saying that for the hundredth time that actually he did. He did have an eight month time on his own. And, you know, so he's 23 years old and he's got a job and he's saving money. And he's, you know, we have to remember that these are tough economic times. And I'm not sure if it's because he's a boy and perhaps there's more pressure on perhaps, uh, you know, uh, self-identifying males to sort of be like the breadwinner, winners, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't, I wanted to speak yep. to, in a sort of broader manner, the fact that we shouldn't really carry the shame and that we should always recognize that it could be, it, it doesn't have to be permanent. It's temporary and nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, absolutely, Leah. Thank you very much for calling. Vicki, I'm going to come back to you in just a couple yes. of minutes, but let me get to a couple more callers right mm-hmm. now. Judy Evelyn is in Montreal. Hi, Judy. Hi there. How do you feel about adult children living at home? Well, I kind of see the need for it right now because I I do think that economically it's harder for young people to live on their own. I've got a university-educated son. He's 27, so he's much older than a 23-year-old that Mm -hmm. the other caller had. But he's finding it like the rent is prohibitive. I know that it was mentioned like in the past people would get roommates and live together to save uh, save money, but even that, you have to hope that all your roommates come up with that income, and somebody else, if one is stuck, is not able to pay, is going to be responsible for quite a yeah. high amount of rent. So, so Judy, economics is the driver with your kid, uh, your definitely. 27-year-old living with you. Um, how's yeah. it going? Well, <laughs> well, financially, I hope he's saving money, because I would like this to end as soon as maybe next year, because I've given him quite a bit of time to, you know, save up the money. He knows Mm -hmm. that that's the goal, is I do want to retire at 60. And I've been living in Canada since I was nine. I'm from the Caribbean, so Mm -hmm. it's not unusual for us to have kids sitting at home, but it is expected that the kids will move out, live on their own, and after university or education or whatever career path they choose, that they will be financially able to take care of themselves. But I had an older son who moved back several times, and the younger said, I'm not going to do that. Once I go, I'm going. So I'm really hoping that he is doing what he's supposed to. I haven't been checking, saying, how's it going? How much are you saving? Because (laughs) then it becomes like I'm intrusive and he is an adult, but yet he's living at home. So that dynamic is still an issue for us. We, We still have to get that, you know, the rules in our head straight. I mean, he's yeah. not being 
fed by me. He's buying his own food and making his own meals, doing his own laundry. So it's not like a mom and a child. Yeah, no, that, child. that's impressive. Now, speaking of it not being like a mom and a, and a little child, uh, one of the issues, you're 27 years old, uh, dating may be an issue, and, and that's something Definitely. that you and your son have had to deal with. Definitely. It's been awkward because there's no... I'm a Christian, so there's no sleeping over at my home with the girlfriend. That You guys have to figure that out. It's not fun to walk into an uncomfortable situation if I've... Sometimes I travel, mm-hmm. and I come back before they, they realize I'm coming back. We were going to have confrontations, and we don't want that. So we kind of try to make that very clear, and I'm not asking for rent. The reason mainly is because I want him to say, but also because he's not going to be able to say, I have rights to because I'm contributing financially. No, you're still under my roof, so the rules are what I, what I impose. But mm-hmm. with respect, like we do have to respect each other, and as... I said he's not a child, so we do have to try to get that balance, and that's a little tricky. Yeah, so, do you make it super clear, like, "Hey, son, uh, just landed <laughs> at the airport. I'll I'll be home in half an hour." <laughs> <laughs> it's more like this is the date I'm back, and please make sure that you follow my rules. And knowing that he's going to do what he's going to do, I just kind of hope that. We don't have to get into anything because it's not pleasant. And I do understand that he is a young man, but this is still, you know, a situation where I'm being generous, in yep. my opinion. It's your home. To, to continue to have this arrangement because I do care for him and I mm-hmm. want him to be able to be successful. But what we're dealing with right now is honestly a financial housing kind of situation where we're seeing the cost of everything going up because my mortgage is lower than most people's rent. Yep. And I have a three-floor four-bedroom home, you know, so there's no way that a young person right out of university can afford what is being asked, even rent-wise, much less putting down on a home. So yep. I'm hoping I'm hoping that it'll work out and he can do what, you know, what he wants to do in the future, but I'm hoping that we also find a way to reduce interest rate and make things affordable again, because this isn't sustainable. It's, yeah. it's scary. Like, I'm, I used to think about Freedom 55. I'm going to be 60 and I can retire. I don't think my kids can retire if we yeah. keep making everything so expensive. No kidding. Judy, thank you very much for calling. Thank you for giving me my opinion. Yeah, no, it's, it's very interesting to hear. Let's go to Mississauga, Ontario now. Costa Kakish is uh, calling us. Hi, Costa. Hi, how are you? Good. I see in the notes here you've just purchased a home, but you, you were living with your parents. Was money the, the motivator? Yes, sir. Actually, I was um, I was married, and we had our own place in Mississauga, but unfortunately, we, had, we went through a divorce, and uh, I have three kids. So I moved in with my parents because after paying the bills, after paying the debts, whatever we had, I broke even with the premature home. Mm-hmm. So my dad, you know, he made a rule. You put it down. So my dad made a rule clear, very clear. You got to pay rent six hundred dollars a month. How did you feel and about that, that? You know what? I was, I didn't like it. I thought he would be like, "Ma, please talk to dad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if he can do something about it, like, <laughs> you know, my mom, she tried here and there to sneak hundred here, hundred there." <laughs> But you know what? It's it's um, uh, I'm I'm grateful for them, but it worked out at the end perfectly. And three years I stayed in their basement, mm-hmm. which I was living there originally before. <laughs> so my dad forced six hundred dollars a month 
Omiya, and uh, I didn't even know that he was saving that $600, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, I have a friend, they live in Waterford mm-hmm. and, and in Norfolk County. And I, I love the place there, to be honest with you. And it's, you know what, I see it's an affordable, affordable place mm-hmm. to, to buy, purchase uh, property. So last Christmas, actually, my dad, he came to me and my gift was actually down payment on a house. Wow. Yeah, brand new house. Wow. And I was in tears, and I was speechless. I couldn't even, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Like, uh, he saved every single $600 that I gave him for a down payment. Beautiful. Beautiful. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was amazing, blessed, and uh, I'm grateful. I yeah. am very grateful, and uh, uh, thank God for them. Costa, thank you very much for calling. No problem, sir. Thank you so much. Before we go back to our family therapist, let's get one more call in here. Sarah Kidd is in Ottawa. Hi, Sarah. Hi, how are you, Ian? I'm doing well. So you moved out when you were relatively young. I'm seeing the notes here. But then did you move back in with your parents? Oh, my gosh, I sure did. (laughs) (laughs) I moved back in with my father. My parents were divorced. Mm -hmm. And I am really struggling, as I know he is, too. Our Mm -hmm. dynamic has really changed. My parents, the particulars are kind of important in my case, but I feel like I'm on the opposite side of the coin as Judy, your previous caller. Mm -hmm. My father is a pilot and my parents are divorced and I chose to move in with him quite young at 13 or 14 because of the dynamics. But anyway, he was in the heart of his career and he was away a lot and I was alone a lot. I grew up very quickly and I moved out at 17 across the country. Hmm. Thank you. Um, but during, for sounding so intrigued, yeah. but during the pandemic, I moved back home at 25 and he's retired now. So I feel like we're experiencing this dynamic of, you know, I'm like a resentful teenager <laughs> and he's scolding me, which we never really had before. Yeah. And it's been very difficult because we've been so close, but lately because of, all the time we're spending together. It's been very difficult. We don't have the same kind of respect mm-hmm. for each other. Like I'm, I'm talking back like, like a poorly disciplined teenager. And he's, you know, criticizing me the same way. Like mm-hmm. I don't help out around the house. And I think, of course I do. I cook dinner every night. And anyway, so to hear everyone talk about this, has been very interesting for me. Mm -hmm. I wonder if a lot of people are feeling the same way as me where I feel myself regressing and I'm not necessarily proud of it. Yeah. You're, you're like, it's an interesting situation and you're a very thoughtful person. And so, uh, I wish we had more time, but I'm really glad. Yeah. I'm really glad that you, that you called in. Um, and what I'm going to do, Sarah, right now, if you don't mind is, is I'm going to say goodbye to you and just bring back our family therapist one last time before we start the AMA. So Sarah, thanks for calling. Absolutely. I'd love that. That's yeah. Thank you very much, Ian, for yeah, having you're, me. You're very welcome. Let's go to Vicki Stark, a family therapist with Sedona Counseling Center in Montreal. And and, and Vicki, I do want to ask uh, before we uh, disconnect for your sort of last general comments, but before we get there, I was intrigued, and I'm not a therapist, by Sarah's very thoughtful laying out of, of her complicated dynamic. W- what do you think about her situation? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it was very, you know, very clearly um, she she brought us into the dilemma mm-hmm. you know, and how it's really inverse. You know, usually you're fighting with your parents when you're a teenager and you grow out of it when you're 25. Um, but because the situation has changed now and her father is at home and they're sort of, uh, you know, in each other's space mm-hmm. and in each other's space, you know, which brings me to the perfectly, you know, relevant topic, which is that if it's really uncomfortable and you feel as though you're butting heads, perhaps you do need to see a family therapist. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you do need to, you know, so- sometimes make an appointment and it doesn't have to be forever, but go for a few sessions and see if you can talk it through, you know, in the presence of a professional um, that will help you clarify things because, yeah. you know, shouldn't be so unpleasant. And and I mean, there may be things going on with the dad, a pilot who's used to independence and the excitement of being in a whole bunch of different places and rarely at home. And then yes. y- you lose like all of those kind of stimuli and you're at home. And now there's this 25-year-old who maybe when you see her, you picture a 16-year-old. I mean... You know, I'm I'm out of my lane here because I'm not the therapist. But I mean, do those things kind of sound like they they could be uh, sort of complicating factors? Well, you know, we always know that there's a big period of transition when somebody retires. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here we have somebody retiring from a job that you know we're imagining as a pilot that he's traveling and he's doing exciting things and has a tremendous amount of responsibility. And now he's at home, like mowing the lawn, and you know. I don't know, watching daytime TV or something. (laughs) Um, So, you know, so he might, you know, you're so right. I think that's very acute of, you know, astute of you um, that he might be going through his own, his own issues at the moment and then throw a 25 year old into the mix and it, it gets more complicated. Mm -hmm. So, so we have about 90 seconds left, but uh, maybe a sort of general last word or last words from you, Vicky. Yeah. So two things really jump out at me about the whole, you know, the whole really interesting conversation we had today. And one is the fact that just having this conversation reduces the stigma. Um, and that is so important not to feel and like the um, the matchmaker said, you know, that she makes sure that people tell a prospective date, you know, that somebody is living with their parents um, and that we want to to just own it, you know, for whatever reason you might be living there. It, to not feel ashamed and not feel that stigma. Um, and that very often you're living with your parents for very good and legitimate reasons. Um, and so that's one of the one of the things that jumped out at me. And the second thing that jumped out at me was somebody mentioned about how the patterning is changing and maybe the society is moving toward more multi-generational living configurations. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that will become, you know, as time goes on, you know, the way Noon talks about it, it sounds great, you know, and also, you know, when there's a young child or even two dogs, you know, that it helps to have your parents around during the day while you're off at work. Um, and so that that multi-generational family might, who knows, it might become more and more the thing of the future. Mother, father, two kids, white picket fence, the garage with two cars, lots of things, Vicky, are changing. And uh, we heard indications of that uh, on the program today. Thank you very much for being with us. It's a pleasure. Vicki Stark, family therapist and director at Sedona Counseling Centre. It is time for Ask Me Anything, all about mortgage shock. The economy has slowed. 
you know, many people, certainly if you're on a variable rate mortgage, you felt it immediately. And if your mortgage is renewed since we raised, you're probably resetting at a higher rate. I'm seeing um, upwards of $1,000 a month difference depending on the mortgage amount in, in additional interest costs. It might be a better choice to look for a house or a condo that's less than what your budget is today, knowing that by next year, your budget may have went up 10 to 20% just in fixed living costs. After repeated interest rate hikes, the central bank opted to hold the rate steady at 5% for the second time in a row. And this week in Ottawa, Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklem said that mortgage holders were on his mind when he decided not to raise the rate. According to RBC, 60% of mortgages in Canada are set to renew in the next three years. And unless interest rates come down soon, many of those borrowers could see their payments rise significantly. So... Whether you have a renewal looming or you're thinking of entering the market, our Ask Me Anything is all about how to navigate mortgage rate risk and try to avoid the shock that could come with renewal. Ron Butler is a mortgage broker at Butler Mortgage, and he's here live to take your calls and answer questions. You can ask him anything. Call us at 1-888-416-8333. You can also text us at 226-758-8924. Ron, thanks for joining us. Great to be here, Ian. So we heard the Bank of Canada governor say, or he has said, that uh, he had mortgage holders in mind when you know, it was one of the factors he kept in mind as he was holding rates steady. Uh, should mortgage holders uh, take some comfort in that? Sure. There's really not much doubt that the Bank of Canada is ending their increase phase. The hikes may be over. And once that happens, fixed rates will start to fall as bond yields decline. So there could be definitely be some relief on the horizon. Now, your company works with uh, mortgage holders, with households uh, in various parts of the country. What are the challenges, some of the challenges you're hearing from your clients right now? It's all about variable rate increases, which cause payments to go up or decrease uh, equity in the home, or it's facing renewals that are substantially higher than anything anybody expected. We're here with mortgage broker Ron Butler. In a few moments, I'm going to go to the phone lines and take your calls. It is our Ask Me Anything. Our number is one 888 Our text number is 226-758-8924. So, Ron, you know that there are people out there listening who are facing renewals, who are facing some anxiety about the renewals. Uh, what's the first step they should take when they try to figure out uh, their strategy? The first step is to anticipate the the coming change in rate. If you've got a renewal coming up in the next three or four months, there's no reason that you shouldn't start to become active about managing it now. You can contact your existing lender. You can also search the marketplace for what's the lowest available rate. You can consult with professionals like a mortgage broker or a bank representative about what's the best strategy. Should it be a one-year, a two-year, a three-year, a five-year? What's the right approach? What's the best outcome that I can look forward to? And that way, you're better prepared when the renewal actually hits. Mm-hmm. One of the nice things about having the Ask Me Anything, if uh, for people who are listening now, is you have a mortgage broker here who's willing to answer your questions, and no question is too 
simple or too small. Like I, I think back to when my wife and I got our first mortgage, when we bought our first home, we were in our early 30s, I guess. It was a different housing market back then, Ron, and uh, housing was uh, something in your early 30s you thought about buying. But we knew nothing. I mean, we were, I th- we thought we were fairly sophisticated in the world, but when it came to mortgages, we didn't know a lot. So I would encourage people who are listening, please feel free to to give us a call, even if they think their question is uh, something they should know the answer to, one 416 So, Ron, in these times of, of incredibly expensive real estate and the rates being higher than, than they had been, um, is there much choice for people who want to get a mortgage or is it all the same from the various lenders? There's always choice and there's always differences. Rate differences can range in some cases as much as 1% for the same mortgage term. So it is very important to search out what's the best available deal on any term that the consumer may want to choose. Our number is one 416 Our text is 226-758-8924. Let's go to the phone lines and Huma Butt is in Milton, Ontario. Hi, Huma. Hi, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing pretty well. Good. So I'll I let you go ahead. And I, to, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was listening to your conversation and I was very, uh, like, after listening to him, I'm very hopeful that, hope so we get something uh, with this renewal. Actually, uh, I got my first home in 2022. Mm-hmm. And at that time, the prices were very high and we got the interest rate for like 299 and last year, and we got the mortgage we got from the private lender, and we got the mortgage for one year. And last year, we ne- renew our mortgage, and we got the rate of 7.89. Wow, what and a difference. Are, yes, and we are paying 5000 for a two-bedroom townhouse. And now, again, uh, I, I have a question for a mortgage broker, uh, expert. Mm-hmm. That we, uh, our uh, renewal is coming in this February. So I need a suggestion that uh, should I go for a bank or should I continue with my private lender? Or I was planning, like I was thinking that we can upgrade to a bigger house so we can, you know, uh, rent our basement and we can, you know, uh, like balance our finances. Because right now we are like with living with three kids, husband, and we both are working day and night. And it's very hard to, you know, paying this $5,000 and like we left with, with nothing. Mm-hmm. So, like, very, like, challenging time for everybody. So, I really uh, wanted to know his opinion on this, like, which yeah. option I should opt for. Yeah, so Huma, stay on the line. Ron Butler is going to answer your question, and he may have a follow-up question for you. But, Ron, go ahead. The most important thing is to explore every possibility of going with a bank or other institutional lender. You should try to avoid the private lender, you should try to search and develop strategies in whatever way you can to get a lower rate. You you know, some rates are as low as 599. Um, definitely an opportunity to get the payment down and certainly get the interest rate down. You have to investigate, you have to search, you have to make calls and uh, find out if there's a way to get with an institutional lender. Huma? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Uh, do you have a follow-up for Ron? 
Yeah, but the thing is, like, uh, 5.9, like, 7.89, we came back to... Do you think, like, uh, going for uh, upgrade the house is a good option, or should I have to stay in the same house and go for the renewal? What What would you suggest in the in this market? Like, you know, the prices are very down, because the time I got this house, it was, like, 1.2, and now when I look into the market, it's, like, 878 or 850, it's something around this. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, what do you think, like, going for a, for an upgrade of house is a better option or, or staying in the same house and going for another lender and it, or, or the bank is would be a good option? Yeah. Ron? Always the bank, a better option than private. But the main thing to do in, in any kind of anticipation of, a, of an upgrade is to first make an application to find out if you qualify. We have a 2% stress test in this country, which tends to reduce what people can actually afford to get. And it's really important to review what you possibly can get as a mortgage before you embark on any consideration of a new purchase. All right. right. Uh, Huma, right. thank you. Thank you very much for your call. Ron, thank you very much for... Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank your you. response. Thank you. Okay, let's go from Milton, Ontario to Swift Current, Saskatchewan. And Maria, is it Lewins? How do you pronounce your last name, Maria? Lewins, I think you got it right, but okay. whenever somebody asks, I overthink it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's assume I got it right. I think I did. Um, what's your question for Ron? Um, so I was just curious, like, just because the Bank of Canada increased its interest rate, is there any law that mandates banks to increase their mortgage rates, or are they just kind of um, using this to increase their profits? Ron? Well, I, I can assure you the banks uh, do not enjoy any kind of additional profits from these higher rates. There is a law, it is the law of economics. If the short term interest rate that the Bank of Canada or the Federal Reserve in the United States or any other central bank, that short term rate that they set has to be the generator of fixed rates, bank rates, all types of mortgage rates. If it's if the bank central bank rate goes high, all commercial banks and all commercial lenders must follow. That is just economics. Maria? Okay, so that's like price fixing like the gas stations do? Not even slightly. The Bank of Canada has raised a short-term rate, which means that that is now the benchmark for which every commercial lender has to start from. If the Bank of Canada says we're going to charge banks 5%, then there's no way in the world a bank can charge anybody 4%. So that's that's the starting point. That's the benchmark. The central banks create that point where all other mortgage rates, interest rates expand from. All right. Thank you very much for your call and question. And Ron, once again, thank you for your answer. Ron Butler is a mortgage broker at Butler Mortgage with clients in various parts of the country. And he's here live on Cross Country Checkup to answer your questions about mortgage rates, about renewals, about strategy. And as I said, uh, no question is... Uh, is naive or too simple. That's exactly why we're here is to get uh, Ron's answers to those. Let's go to Fredericton, New Brunswick, and Kate McRae is calling us. Hi, Kate. Hi. Uh, What's your situation and your question for Ron? Well, I I have a 20-year-old fixed-rate mortgage. And um, I've been very grateful that I that I opted for no surprises, you know, <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I'm up for renewal in March of 25. And I'm, I'm just, I'm really wondering 
how how uh, terrified ought I to be? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Ron may have some follow up questions for you, um, but uh, sure. But let, let so stay on the line, Kate and, and Ron. Yeah. Why don't you weigh in? Well, it starts with what is the interest rate right now? That's what that's what it, yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, you're asking me. Yeah. Oh, honestly, yeah. I can't. I can't tell you. But it's, it, mu- it must be. It's, well, it's then probably it must be good. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I, I think it's yeah, probably no, fantastic. I pretty. I, yeah. No. It, uh, well, it was. It was 2003. Things were were pretty good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, what I what uh, I would suggest is you your uh, 2025 is still uh, a bit away. Yeah. And there's a reasonable possibility that rates, particularly fixed rates, will come down by that time. They won't they won't come down to the super low levels we experienced in 2020 and 2021. Yeah. But they they will be lower. So, again, the best approach is about three months before your actual renewal date that you would contact financial institutions or mortgage brokers and start to research what rates are available then. I mean, there's, okay, there's so you're no point in breaking the mortgage right in now. Advance of, of absolutely of yes, yeah, that's correct. Okay. Yeah, that's, and, and that's tremendously useful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, Kate, is there anything else you wanted to ask Ron about? I don't think so. Okay, thank well, you very much. Thank you very much for calling in. Hey, Ron, I'm going to ask a question that's going to strike a bunch of people who are listening as naive because in our household, my wife. Uh, takes care of all the finances. I am, um, you know, embarrassingly naive when it comes to to money matters. Um, so I know when we got our first mortgage, we we had a bank that we dealt with uh, and were very happy with uh, all of our dealings. And basically, our mortgage was always with them. Uh, but for somebody who's starting out, um, where should they go when they start making these calls about checking on? on mortgage rates. Like they probably have their own bank. They may have the bank that their parents banked with. Um, You know, do they call up a mortgage broker? What should they do? Look, there's a lot of different possibilities. People can just start by simply going online. Uh, If you just Google the inquiry lowest mortgage rates, you'll see a whole bunch of rate sites come up and you can do a bit better research right there uh, and get some information. You should almost always check with your existing lender or the people who are working with you right now in your checking account and your day-to-day banking. Absolutely worth a call or worth investigating their offerings. And then finally, uh, yes, Check with a mortgage broker. The, the advantage of mortgage brokers is choice. That mortgage brokers can go everywhere, all the different options that are available. Look at what all the best rates and best programs are in the marketplace. But by all means, check online, check with your own bank, and check with a mortgage broker. Now, the only thing that scares a lot of us about just uh, checking online in an area we don't know a lot about is uh, is protecting ourselves from... I mean, out-and-out scams in some cases or organizations that are just not as good as other organizations. So how do you go about figuring out who to trust and and who you shouldn't trust? Well, I'm fortunate to know how Google places the the rate sites throughout Canada right now because Mm -hmm. we use them ourselves. And I would tell you that in the top 10 or 12 or 15 of Google recommendations uh, today, there's no scams. There's no uh, people trying to steal information. Uh, it's been very well developed and it is very legitimate. 
That's great to hear. I don't think that advice fits for everything with what's at the top no, of the no, search no, list. No. But the fact that you, you've you seen uh, that search list and you're saying that obviously means a lot. So that is fantastic. Uh, you are listening to our Ask Me Anything on Cross Country Checkup. I'm Ian Hanna-Mansing in Vancouver. And Ron Butler is a mortgage broker in Toronto who is our guest. And he's here to answer any questions you have about mortgages and renewals and how all this works. And as you could hear from my question, uh, we're open all kinds of questions, even the the simplest and potentially most naive. Our number is 1-888-416-8333. You can reach us via aircheck, cbc.ca slash aircheck, or text a question, 226-758-8924. Ron, uh, David from BC texts us this, my wife and I have the option of making extra payments towards our mortgage before we need to renew. Is this a good option in the long run, or should we just keep going on with our normal payments, Ron? This is always a good option, particularly since there's the highest likelihood that the renewal rate that's coming up will be higher than the rate you're paying today. Therefore, if you make additional lump sum payments or you increase your ongoing regular payment, that will create a lower mortgage balance Therefore, there will be a lower payment to be faced when the renewal comes up. And and that payment goes right to the principal, I guess, right? Every single time. Every single time you make any additional payment, whether increasing your biweekly or monthly payment or making any sort of lump sum payment, it always goes directly to principal. And and again, because I don't know these things, is there a, a maximum that your lending institution often gives you to make that extra payment? On average, it's about 15% lump sum. So that could be a sizable amount. If you've got a $300,000 mortgage, you could have between uh, $45,000 and $60,000 available limit. In most cases, you can increase your payments by as much as double uh, or at least 15 or 20%. So there's a lot of options available to pay a lot of extra money towards your mortgage and reduce that principal. We got a call from Mary who wanted to pass on this question. She says she remembers the 80s when whole blocks of homes were lost. She says with rates as high as 25%. I don't remember rates quite that high, but I certainly remember 18 and 20%. In, in, in any event, is there any chance rates will get that high again, she asks you. There are no, there's no chance at this time that rates will get to anywhere near that level. Inflation is actually coming down in the last two reports, although some microscopic bumps up and down, but certainly it's down from the highs of 8% that we saw earlier in the year. That's, that's passed. Uh, and put it to you this way, our society can no longer function at 18% interest rates. When the price of homes is a million dollars and many people have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of mortgages, it's just not manageable. It's always important to remember back in the 80s when there were 18% mortgage rates, the average price of a house was about 129000 hmm. <laughs> Wow. I, I guess I knew that, but uh, it's amazing to actually hear a number like that. But having said all that, and you know this as well, uh, obviously it's, it, there's no circumstance where losing a house because you can't make a payment is, uh, is any comfort. And uh, boy, there were people who definitely went through that in the early 80s. Um, let me see here. Yeah, just a quick reminder. We're uh, sort of getting towards the end of the show. So maybe a chance for a call or two before we end this Ask Me Anything. one 416 Sheena McMahon is in Victoria. Hi, Sheena. Hi. What's your question um, for Ron? My question is, shouldn't people be discouraged from taking variable rate mortgages? Because so many people 
default on those, um, especially when the Bank of Canada puts the interest rate rates up. And um, so it really contributes to housing unaffordability because REITs and wealthy uh, investors buy up those properties once they're defaulted on. Um, it, yeah, that's what they buy them up. So mm-hmm. instead of housing, you know, being for individuals, that they end up being investments, which is just, well, we know what's happening because of that. So shouldn't people be discouraged from that? I tell everyone to never get a variable rate mortgage. Yeah, so Sheena, stay on the line in case you have a follow-up. But Ron, uh, your answer? So for decades, variable rate mortgages were the lowest rate option in Canada, and they consistently did outperform fixed rates. However, you have a natural vulnerability when there's this kind of really incredible, steep and fast increase, as we've seen from the Bank of Canada now. Uh, In terms of default, the default rate for fixed rates and variable rates is effectively identical. Uh, We also have extremely low default rates in Canada. Uh, It's so low, it's actually less than a quarter of 1% of uh, houses go into 90-day default. It's only 16 basis points, which is a hundredth of a percent. So we are fortunate in Canada that so far, uh, there's very few houses have defaulted. Yeah. Sheena, any reaction or follow-up? Yes, I think I was using the wrong term. So I think, yeah, rather than the default, thanks for clearing up that up. That's wonderful. Um, I'm thinking about when they have to... um, when they have to renew because of the rate having gone up so much, then the chances are that they won't be able to afford the property they're already in. So that just gives those opportunities for investors to gobble up those properties. Ron? It's actually very rare uh, for someone not to be able to afford uh, to continue on renewal. I mean, we're about to enter into a phase where we haven't been for a long time, where renewals are substantially higher than they were in the past. But historically, when you have an opportunity to renew, if we go back over the last 20 years, you have a wide variety of rate options, and the vast majority of people do successfully renew their mortgage. All right, Sheena, thank you very much for your call. We have four minutes left, and one more call I want to get to. Sean Harmon is uh, calling us from Thompson, Manitoba. Hi, Sean. Hello. What's your question for Ron? Uh, My question is, um, getting close to retirement, we're fortunate enough to have some equity in our home, and I was wondering about the validity of the reverse home mortgages. It's a great question. Uh, They are a a useful tool in certain circumstances. Uh, They are designed to eliminate you having to make a payment in terms of the mortgage actually grows. Instead of you paying down a mortgage, the mortgage actually just grows and you make no payment on it. It is a useful tool. It is worthwhile considering, but it takes a lot of analysis and it does really need a thorough investigation both on your part and the assistance, I would strongly suggest, of a mortgage professional who can show you just exactly what the ins and outs of it are. Uh, but it is a tool for people who want to retire and stay in their home. And, and Ron, give me an example of, of one or two of the issues we should keep in mind as we investigate the reverse mortgage. Well, first of all, the interest rate is somewhat higher than normal bank rates because, again, it's a whole different beast. It is a mortgage that there's no payments. It simply increases with that interest rate. So there is some additional risk to the um, financial institution who has to take it on because they're not getting any payments. They have to be compensated for that risk. Uh, the other consideration is 
you're going to ha- you're there's going to be no uh, uh pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for anybody's kids mm-hmm. uh you know that mortgage is going to grow and eventually uh when that when people do leave that home because everybody leaves sooner or later uh they either retire to another location or regrettably they just pass on so at a certain point there is going to be a sale of that house and because the mortgage has grown significantly uh there's going to be nothing left over for an estate or very little or a lot less now it's quite reasonable to say that you have the philosophy that I want to die broke, you know, and uh, I don't I don't mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's up to individual. It's an individual decision. But it's important that people do understand just exactly what's going to happen when they take on a reverse mortgage. Yeah. Sean, any follow up question? Uh, no, I think that's it. Is there an obvious pitfall that a person should avoid? There's no obvious pitfall. These mortgages are by their design very well explained there is very plain language in reviewing those contracts and everybody would understand exactly what they're getting when they sign up so there's no sort of hidden flaw or or there's no sort of scam associated with them they're perfectly legitimate the banks that offer them are legitimate organizations uh it's just about really understanding what the end result is going to be uh when the time comes that the house is sold Sean, thank you very much for your call. Ron, we have almost exactly a minute. And, you know, these are anxious times. I'm sure you know this, dealing with your clients as they look at real estate is so expensive and interest rates have been on the rise. So maybe a last word of advice or wisdom for those anxious people wondering about the next time they have to renew their mortgage. Well, for people who have got renewals coming up, uh, there's two considerations that they could appeal to their lending institution to Expand, re-expand their uh, amortizations back to their original amortization if they're finding the new higher payment unmanageable, and also to shop and see just exactly what is out there, what can be done to ameliorate their situation. Look, there is a lot of anxiety. We take calls all the time from people who are saying, hey, I'm going from 3.69 to 6.39, and it's very difficult. So we appreciate it. We understand it. There are some options. Seek out advice. It's never going to be perfect. I mean, this new interest rate world is here. It's real. It's uh, it's going to get a little bit better, but it's not going to become perfect soon. So we highly recommend that people explore all their options about how to get their payments under control. You are the perfect guest for an Ask Me Anything. You know the answers and you describe them very clearly, and I appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much, Ian. I appreciate it. Ron Butler, mortgage broker at Butler Mortgage, and we reached him in Toronto. That's it for Checkup, the podcast this week. You've been listening to Cross Country Checkup's live broadcast on CBC Radio from November 5th, 2023. If you'd like to share comments or appear on a future show, go to cbc.ca slash aircheck. Thanks to everyone who helped this week. Our phone screeners are Drew Stewart, Katrina McGaughy, and Hannah Abrahamsey. Special thanks to Emily Kirvazio, Walter Rinaldi, and the team at BC Today. Our TV team is Caleb Isaac, Frankie Fiorini, Garth Gottfried, Keaton Wolitschka, and Sean Foss. Technical production and editing, Will Yar and Matthias Wilson. The program assistant is Chuck Molgat. Cross-country checkup produced this week by Abby Plenner and Steve Howard. Our digital producer, Paul Hanchia. The senior producer of the program is Richard Goddard, and I'm Ian Hanamansing in Vancouver. The next edition of Check Up the Podcast will be posted after the live show next Sunday. 
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.